going to, um, today's lesson is from 1 Samuel 15, but we're going to, I'm just going to read uh, verses 17 through 23. And Samuel said, through, though you are little in your own eyes, you are not in the, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce, did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of the, uh, uh, the Amalekites, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the, people took of, but, the, but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, and this is kind of the heart of what we're going to talk about today, has the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. This is the word of the Lord. So today we're going to talk about um, the idea of obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And, I, and, I, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about this. Um, you want to go ahead? This is Keith Green. How many of you have ever heard Keith Green? Now, you're probably showing your age if you've heard of Keith Green. Keith Green was, when, when I had become a Christian, in, you know, when I was in high school, Keith Green, contemporary Christian music was just starting. It was, it was, it was new. In fact, if you saw the movie The Jesus Revolution, you can see that kind of the, the start of kind of this idea of contemporary Christian music. Well, Keith Green was... Uh, one of the, uh, he'd be a headliner today. I mean, he was, he was, he was very famous. And, and um, what, when I, so we, we'd become Christians and, and we listened to Keith Green probably a thousand times, his, his, his albums. And I remember Brenda and I had gotten married. We woke up about two weeks after our, our, our uh, wedding, turned on the Christian radio and they announced that Keith Green had died in a, in a plane crash. So that was 41 years ago. Um, and what was, what was stunning for me is because in my early Christian days, I think I lived in la-la land, where you, you think, well, now that I've become a Christian, everything is going to be great. And that was the first time when I, all of a sudden, this, this man of God that, that I listened to and was, was, uh, made a difference in my life passed away at 28. And I realized things were not, uh, that, that, that uh, God was in control, but, but there was going to be a lot of other things happen in the world. And so I, I, I tell this story, one, is because it's, it's the anniversary of that. But Keith Green was kind of like a Samuel in a way. Not uh, like a Samuel. Not, he was not a Samuel. But he, and what I mean by that is he was prophetic. He, he really challenged this, all these young people who were becoming Christians to live their lives fully for God. I never forgot about that. I've never forgotten him. In fact, uh, one of his songs has stood with me for 41 years, or probably 45 years. 
And that's what I want to try to play with. This is the risk that we're taking today. I'm going to try to play it off the computer and let you listen to it uh, just to get a sample of what we're talking about. Let me see if you That was Keith Green. And that song, uh, To Obey is Better Than Sacrifice, has, has uh, stood with me for the last 40 years. I've thought about it all the time because here's the problem. What we, and we tend to do as individuals is we want to serve God as, as believers, but we want to do it on our own terms. What we want to do is, I'm, I'm willing to serve you, God, but I'm, and I'm going to make sacrifices for you, but I'll decide what they are. And really, the, the, the message of this song and the message of 1 Samuel here is that what God wants us to do is obey. That's what he wants us to do. And not try to manipulate the situations and, and, and uh, be willing to go about God's missions that he's called us to, but do it in our own way. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes here. Let me just kind of give you a quick story about uh, 1 Samuel. It's very long. I mean, it's not very long. It's 35 verses, but I don't want to read all that to you. Let me just kind of give you the, the overview, and then we'll talk about it in its bits. Chapter 15 describes a defining moment in the kingship of Saul in around t- t- uh, 20, uh, 1020 B.C. God spoke to the prophet Samuel, directing Saul to lead a campaign of vengeance against their enemies, the Amalekites. And his instructions for the raid were very specific. This is what the Lord said. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites, totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put, put to, de- to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Saul's initial response was right. He gathered troops from Israel, um, from all over Israel and Judah, over 200,000 men in all, and set up an ambush outside of uh, Amalek, Amalek. And the attack unfolded. The king veered off God's course, and the end result fell short. Fell short. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag, and the and the beat of the sheep and cattle, and fat, and fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. So instead of doing what God commanded, Samuel uh, said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take back the king of the Amalekites, Agag, and also the best of the sheep and the lambs and the goats and the cattle, I'll, I'll 
I'll take back with me. And he says later, I, I did it so I could I sacrifice him to the Lord. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. So God sent Samuel to confront Saul. Um, he came to condemn Saul's disregard of God's order. As he looked for Saul, Samuel learned the king had built an altar and planned to sacrifice the cattle and sheep from Amalek uh, that the army had spared. Saul defended himself, saying that he saved the animals to be given on the altar because he knew it would please God. But Samuel saw the pride and arrogance in Saul and that he had, offered, and that he had offended the Lord instead. God lamented putting Saul in power because of his rebellious spirit. Samuel soon told Saul that he would be replaced. And though the king begged forgiveness, Samuel was adamant about the prophecy. They parted ways that day and did not see each other again. In time, God anointed David to become king, and Saul was killed in battle. So this disobedience was so... Uh, such a, uh, a major event in the eyes of God that Saul lost his ability to be king. He lost his, 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 his kingship because he disobeyed. In fact, we're going to hear twice in 1 Samuel 15, God says that he was sad that he ever made Saul king because Saul continually disobeyed his word. So that's, the, that's, the, that's where we are. Okay, what are... This idea of obedience. What are others saying about obedience? You know, yeah, there we go. Um, Charles Spurgeon wrote in 1866, it is, it is no new thing for Christians to know their duty, to have their conscience enlightened about it, and yet neglect it. He said, even back in 1866, that we, we, know, we know what God wants us to do, but we tend to neglect it. Is there, is there one passage of Scripture which you dare not look in the face because you are living in neglect of it? Spurgeon asked. Then let Samuel's voice come to you and, and set you seeking for more grace, for to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Elizabeth Elliot said, Does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we are not obeying in the things that lies before us today? Do what God tells you to do and depend on it, depend upon it, and you will be shown what to do next. And obedience. Is, is, uh, needs to be our focus. Um, this is Oswald Chambers. God gives us many explicit commands. Our sacrifice of time, talents, and treasure will not substitute for obedience. Sometimes we like to say to God, look what I'm doing for you. Look what I'm doing for you every day. That's, but that's not what, what he's asking for. He's asking us to be obedient. Oswald Chambers said this, the counterfeit of obedience is a state of mind in which you work up occasions to sacrifice yourself. What we do, he's saying, is this, this idea that, I'm, I, God, look what I've done for you. It, it, it's a counterfeit to just true obedience. It doesn't mean that we can't do great works uh, for the Father, but what, he, what he's saying is we can't su uh, substitute that for obedience. What does the Bible say? Um, from Hosea, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. From Proverbs, to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. From Psalms, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not, God, or heart, you, God will not despise. 
from Tony Evans in his, in his uh, commentary on 1 Samuel. In other words, the Lord calls people to submit to his agenda, not attempt to honor him with their own agendas. And we'll see, that's what Samuel was, or Saul was trying to do. Is he was to honor God with his agenda instead of just doing what the Lord asked him to do. And then as we... Um, this command to obey takes us to Jesus. It takes us to the cross. From John 14. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I hope that we're, we're kind of get a, a grasping this idea that that obedience, the critical nature of obedience, that we, uh, we, we need to, to look firmly at what God uh, has commanded us to do. So here's the bottom line. If you, if you were to say, okay, what did I get out of today's lesson? I hope that you, you take this home. One, incomplete or partial obedience is as rebellion. That's what Samuel says. Incomplete or partial obedience is equal to rebellion. Say, God, I know what you said, but I'm going to do part of it, and then uh, hope that's good enough. That's, that's kind of what we, we do sometimes when it's hard in our lives. And the second is that the cost of failing to obey God is high. Saul lost his kingdom. He was the king, and uh, he lost his right to rule because he was disobedient. Let's look at 1 uh, Samuel 15 in, in some detail now. Um, in verse 1 through 3, just quickly, that God gave Samuel, uh, Saul a command through Samuel, and he said that, uh, go and destroy the Amalekites. And this was punishment for what they did to Israel uh, years before. God had not forgotten what they had done to Israel. And he said, uh, Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. And he said, now listen to the words of the Lord. And and he said, God said, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. And you are to utterly destroy um, all that he has. Meaning Agag, uh, the the leader of the Amalekites. You are to destroy everything. So, Verse 1 through 3 is a clear command for divine judgment. In verses 4 through 9, we see that uh, there was a tragic omission took place. And if you read it, and we won't take time to read it in each individual scripture today, but uh, the preparation for the battle was great. Saul immediately moved on what God said. He got 200,000 men together, and they, and they, uh, they, they marched, and they, were, they, were, they created an ambush in the valley. He even warned the Kenites, said, look, if there's going to be a battle, you need to, to leave or you'll get caught up in it. So he didn't want any collateral damage. The problem was when he began to execute the plan. Um, he, he, he achieved victory with failure to obey fully. Okay? And we'll see there in uh, thing. This is verse 9. I'm going to read this. You can just listen. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from uh, Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. Killed everybody but, but Agag. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen 
and and of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. So they took that which was good to themselves. So here we see, spared Agag. He was told to, to, to wipe out uh, everybody. And they decided to take the best of, the, uh, of what they had. So you can see, uh, with Agag, is probably a, a prideful, prideful uh, trophy of victory. And, and by sparing the animals, probably motivated by greed and self-will, what would be the point of wasting such valuable resources? So what, what Saul did was to disobey uh, a divine judgment or a divine command that was given by God. And we'll see, it was, it was, it was a, serious, uh, a serious problem. Verses 10 through 19. Um, Saul comes back and, and Samuel runs out to meet him because God had already spoken to Samuel. And in verse 10, in fact, God says, I regret that I have made Saul king. I regret that I made Saul king. Now, we think, well, what, why, why is this? And he says that it's because Saul disregarded his word or his commands. He didn't care. He cared less about what God thought than what he wanted to do. Um, and so we're, we're here confronted with the, the seriousness of disobedience. In, in verse uh, 10, uh, God says he regrets that he made Saul king. Uh, Samuel was sad. In fact, it, it says in, in the word that Samuel was distressed and cried to the Lord all night before he confronted Saul. He cried to the Lord and, and was distressed all night. Okay? And then in verse 12 and 13, Saul begins, he denies what happens. He said um, that he, uh, he pridefully celebrated victory instead of humbly seeking forgiveness. He set up a monument for himself. He was setting it up when, Saul, when Samuel finally got to him. Okay? Um, and then he lost touch with reality. I've carried out the command of the Lord. That's what he told Samuel. He said, Samuel, I, I, uh, I carried out the commands of the Lord. So you can see what, what's going on here is that Samuel carried out part of what God told him to do, but not all. He carried out the mission that God had given him, but he did it uh, with his own agenda. And we're going to learn a lot more about Samuel as we continue on. Verses 20 through 23, uh, we hear Saul's weak argumentation. Re, uh, religious excuses betray a failure to come to terms with the nature of rebellion. So look at verse 20 and 21. The ends justify the means. Now I want you to follow along with me here in verse 20. You can see it up there. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission and the Lord, I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back uh, Agag, their king. He said, I did it. I did what you told me. Now, see this in verse 21. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Okay, so, um, in fact, I, I want to just read this to you real quick. It's, this is from a commentary on that, and I thought it was, it's so true, it's what we do today. It's a, the shift in pronouns from I to they is an obvious example of the ancient and modern art of passing the buck. Saul attempted to justify the deeds of the people on the grounds that their intentions were good. 
we, we, we took the, the, the best sheep and goats and everything because we wanted to sacrifice them to the Lord. In other words, the end had fully justified the means. He assumed that any sacrifice, whether prepared in disobedience or obedience, would be acceptable to God. How far he had missed the point. So we see there that, uh, look at verse 20, but I did obey the Lord, and then on 21, he, he passes the buck. He says, the soldiers took sheep. I did this, but the soldiers did what was wrong. Again, it's, it's passing the buck. So then we get to kind of the heart of what we're talking about this morning. It's Samuel's response. And base, in the basic response is, to obey is better than sacrifice. Let me read this to you. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of, of rams. Verse 23, this is critical for us. He says, For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So he said that his, his, willing, his disobedience was rebellion, and his arrogance was like idolatry. Because you have re then he says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow. Because he decided to go his own way, his, the, the, the result from his sin or from his disobedience was he lost, he lost his right to be king. There's consequences to our disobedience. And then finally... In verse 24, um, verse 24 of 31, um, it, it, it finally Saul realizes that he's kind of lost the argument. And he, and he said, he finally comes up forward and says, I have sinned. I have and then he says, I've transgressed the command of the Lord in your words. He admits, and he did this because I feared the people and listened to his voice, listened to their voice because I feared the people and listened to their voice. God, uh, Samuel said to Saul early on, look, did God not make you king of, of all the tribes? And yet, here's a, this king who feared the people and listened to their voice rather than God's. And then but Saul comes to, to Samuel and says, now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. Please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. It's like I, I uh, sometimes in life we say, let's have a do-over. I know I remember when my, my, my children were growing up, they would, they would get in trouble and say, just can't we forget, can't I just have another chance? We, we all like to do that. And that's what Saul was doing here, saying, Samuel, give me another chance. I, I was wrong, sorry, I, I shouldn't have done it. Can we just start over? But he did not realize the severity of what he had done. Um, he lost his kingdom. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Samuel said to Saul, God is not going to change his mind. You, you have rejected God, and now he has rejected you. So what, what are we to learn? To, you know, the, 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 where we started was to obey 
is better than sacrifice. Being obedient. And um, as, as you wrestle with this, as, as you go from here, I, I hope that we, we, we think about that. You know, we like to say that we're sacrificing for God. I, I do this all the time. I say, God, look what I've done for you. Look what we do for you. Look how we served you. But really, what our focus needs to be is being obedient to what God has called us to be. And finally, the conclusion, taking care of business. It, the, God's word was so important that Samuel actually had to go carry out the divine punishment on the Amalekites. He, he had to kill Agag himself. Okay, Swift retribution executed by Samuel. And then Samuel never saw Saul again. Later on, we know that, that uh, Saul was killed in battle. And David replaced Saul as king. To obey is better than sacrifice. All right, now, what can we take home with this? This simple, simple message, but there's a lot that, has, that we have to think about in our own lives. First of all, make decisions about your own decisions. Make your decisions before you get into a position where you have to make a decision. Obedience to God starts with the decision to put him first and to give him authority over all your life. So we make decisions about our decisions. We do that in our prayer room. We do that at church. We do that as we read the scriptures. We say, okay, God, um, I need your grace to live this life as you would have me to. But we make decisions that we're going to follow God in every way, in every part of our lives. Be wary of the temptation to carry out the right mission, but with your own agenda. Meaning, okay, God, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do, but I, I'd kind of like to do it my own way. What we need to do is to focus on what, what has God called you individually to do and me as an individual to do. Be wary about this temptation to uh, be willing to do the mission with our own agenda. That's exactly what Samuel did. I mean, Saul did. Number three, don't let the desire to please others detract from your worship and obedience to Christ. Don't let the... Uh, Saul, uh, yeah, Saul said... I feared the men, so I let them do this. I feared them. And um, <clears throat> we need to make sure that we are not, uh, don't live in fear of man, but we need to live in fear of God. Not be, not be fearful of men who get us to do something we don't want to do or we should not be doing. Okay, So don't let the desire to please others detract from your worship and obedience to Christ. Our obedience should be immediate, complete, and joyful. Um, my wife Brenda, I tried to get her to come up and sing this, and uh, we had when we were when we were raising our, our our daughters, she had a song about obedience: obey immediately, completely, joyfully, and without question. And we and so they heard the they, this through song. But it's really what we need to do in our lives: our obedience should be immediate, complete, and joyful, knowing that that. What God has called us to do is, is it will make the whole difference in our lives. And then finally, number five, <clears throat> the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. All issues come down to, the, to this heart uh, that it struggles with sin. It, it struggles with the commands of the Lord. So what we need to do is to recognize that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart and ask God, we need your grace to change. We need your grace to live our lives according to what uh, you've asked us to do, that, that, that sometimes the heart is desperately wicked. 
and we need your grace. I don't want to, to give any indication here that, that we can do this on our own. We need to, 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 um, to latch on to God and say, I need your grace. Through Christ, my life can be different. It's not something that we can will ourselves to, to obey, to obey, I'm going to obey, obey. It, it's what, uh, um, it's, it's God working through our lives that will make a huge difference. So what I'd like to do is to uh, close us in prayer. I, uh, I have a, another Keith Green song I want you to end with. It's a worship song because I think what it does, it, it says that, um, there's a, that God, there's a Redeemer out there and it's Christ, it's, it's, God, it's Christ, God's Son. And then He left His Holy Spirit here with us to help us to live this life.